The sound of a glasses case. Nice. That's how you know. That's how you know we're intelligent. Yes, that's right. We, have, we both are wearing glasses. <laughs> we are, of course, the home of professional podcasting and intelligent podcasting. Yes, yes, indeed. Hello. Hello. We are in acts still. I'm going to be saying that for a year, aren't I? Well, yes, that is the slated timing <laughs> since we're just now moving into chapter two. There's a pretty good chance <laughs> that you're going to have at while. least 28 Get chapters used to worth it. here. So Get used to it. 28 chapters in the book. and I'd probably be saying it less if it were like an Old Testament uh, book that's very difficult to, to pronounce, but Acts is easy. We're in. We'll have to get into some other ones. We get, I'm, I'm doing a study in Habakkuk here coming up in April. So yeah, see, I've apparently friends, always so. mispronounced that. I've always said Habakkuk. That's so. probably right. Anyway. We'll, we'll just make it all up. Acts is easy. Unless you speak Hebrew, it just doesn't matter. Say it confidently not. and Unless nobody will Unless I have like phlegm in my throat. Uh, <laughs> so we are Acts chapter 2 is what we're going to focus on 10 minutes on and we just wasted all I know, that we wasted, time on we wasted a minute let's get to work good morning everyone good morning Acts chapter 2 uh, one of the most exciting chapters in the Bible I would say uh, I don't, Whoa. you know it's you're talking about some big time stuff here and this is literally the birth of the church this is where everything begins everything uh, springs forth from this uh, and we start out I mean it's it's really the whole chapter. The, you know, so you've got these different vignettes, but it's all really one story. So in the first part of the chapter, uh, the, the disciples are gathered together as they had been in, in chapter 1. They're gathered in this uh, upper room where they're staying. They have replaced now um, uh, Judas's empty spot with Matthias. Uh, by the guiding of the Holy Spirit, even though he's not uh, mentioned directly there, that's what's happening is the Holy Spirit is guiding them in this. Then in chapter 2, they're celebrating Pentecost. The, the Jews are celebrating Pentecost. And at this time, uh, they're all gathered together in one place. It doesn't say necessarily that it's the same room, but they're gathered together. And uh, they experience this just very unusual i think is a very understated way of saying it situation <clears throat> that unfortunately far too often we try to make normative in christian experience that when we come to christ and we receive the holy spirit we have this whoosh you know this amazing mountaintop experience mm -hmm. and that's not what we see throughout most of the book of acts most of the time when we see it and, and when we see the the references in the letters uh throughout the new testament we don't see uh, this glorious rush of things. Sometimes it's not normative. It, it's the unusual experience. But on this particular occasion, this is the first time that anything like this takes place. Uh, and so as they're gathered together, what Jesus has promised now comes to pass. And the Holy Spirit is given to the believers. Right. And from this time on, that happens with all the believers, and we'll see that as the story unfolds. And uh, and and Peter even says this is this is for those who are to come. So we're going to see this promised Holy Spirit poured out for them, for the people that Peter speaks to, for all who will believe and those who, who uh, come on. But what's different about this that again um, we don't really see as much here in chapter two, but we'll see it as as it goes on is that the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come in, in these momentary things. He would come in the moment and give Samson uh, strength at the end of his life as he's blinded and, and uh, 
you know, he prays for one last bit of strength and, and he's filled with the spirit and then this happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he, you would see that uh, in a number of places where uh, individuals would have, or the, uh, even Saul who uh, was not walking with God, but the spirit would come on him and he would prophesy. This is what God does in an individual, but the spirit doesn't remain. He comes, he helps, he leaves. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> pardon me, and in chapter 2 here, the Spirit comes, and, and they experience what sounds like, it doesn't say it is, but it, there's the sound that reminds them of this mighty wind. And if you can think of the howling of a wind, this, this rushing that almost sounds like a, you know, a train, you know, the people who have been through tornadoes mm-hmm. might hear that kind of a sound. So they're getting that type of an experience. And then what appears uh, like fire, you know, comes and separates and... and hovers over them in what appears to be something like flames or tongues of fire. Uh, and again, it's not that it's fire, but this is the, the best description we have in human language of what they were experiencing. Similar to what we see in in the Old Testament uh, theophanies and, and, and different uh, manifestations of God's glory when we'd see this pillar of cloud and fire. That's not an accurate depiction of God, but this is the manifestation that he shows. When we see uh, see things like um, what, uh, the anthropomorphisms of, you know, the Lord's arm is not too short to save. Well, God is spirit. So when we think of physical arm, right. it's giving us a picture that isn't necessarily literal in that sense. It's to put into human language and human concepts um ideas about God that help us to communicate. So that's kind of what happens here. It's not that the Holy Spirit, even though we often will represent him in, in art or iconography with, with different, um, you know, things like a dove, when right. the Spirit alights on Jesus in the form of a dove or like a dove. Uh, and we see, you know, pictures of uh, fire often representing the Holy Spirit. That's not a literal thing here, but that's the best description they have that Luke can give based on his interviews as people are describing to him what happened this theme comes up and that's how he describes it here but what what also gets really freaked out or freaking people out i'm losing how to put words together which is not good good. yeah it really is home of professional (laughs) podcasting uh is that now they begin to speak in unknown languages not unknown but unknown to them they're speaking in very specific human languages in all of the in this cosmopolitan city where you have Jews from all around coming to celebrate uh, the the Pentecost there are people from a whole bunch of different countries and they list them in the chapter and they hear these Galileans not not trained not educated all of a sudden speaking in their own languages and they didn't get Rosetta Stone. So. <laughs> no. Uh, it, it was, you know, just right like that. This is an unusual thing. We don't see this happen a lot in In scripture. order to be able to communicate to them what what was happening? Ostensibly, right. yeah. As we look through this, we're not told specifically why, but we can see the dynamic that's going on here. What did Jesus tell them? You'll receive power mm-hmm. and you'll be my witnesses. Right. So everything that happens in the rest of the book of Acts comes out of that that you have received the power from the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being my witnesses. The church now is born in this moment. So as as Jesus has told them to wait, stay in Jerusalem, you will receive the Holy Spirit that the, that the Father promised that I've talked to you about. Father, Spirit, 
son together in this dynamic. This happens. They begin to speak, and some folks, you know, some folks are just amazed and perplexed, according to verse 12. And they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, in verse 13, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Then the rest of the, of the chapter is really filled up with the foundation of the church. I would take this back to, to Mark chapter 8, uh, as um, Peter is asked the question, or he speaks up on behalf of the apostles when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, mm -hmm. the Son of the living God. So Jesus then responds by saying, on this rock, I'll build my church. Now, there's some debate as to what he's talking about there, but whether he's talking, he's, he's clearly not talking about Peter himself, which has been a historic uh, interpretation by many, because he doesn't use the same word as he, he's, you're Peter, uh, and, you know, the Petros, the small rock, and the, then on this Petra, the collective rock, large rock, gathering of rock, which leads some to say uh, that that refers to the church itself, to the people, um, I would take that as really on this concept of what you are saying here, this is going to be the building of my church. Mm -hmm. In either case, it's not Peter. It's, it, it may be the gathered believers. It may be uh, the statement that Peter makes, which I think is more likely. And here in Peter's address, what he's doing is laying out for them exactly what he says. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And explains this is what Joel talked about uh, that in the last days God says I'll pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy and, and he goes through this whole thing and and the punchline of what Joel is saying is in verse 21 and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved this is the theme that we'll see throughout the rest of the book of Acts uh, in fact you and I were just talking about a, a loved one who is kind of perplexed by the idea of, of um, God's sovereign election and mm -hmm. well what if I'm not chosen well what God says through Joel, says through Jesus, says through Paul, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved, period. If you come to him, you will be saved. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I will no wise cast out. If you come, then you, it, it, you receive him, you trust in him and cherish him and repent. That's all part of one package. When, when this is who you are, then you are elect. That there's no reason to, to wrestle with, oh man, what is God thinking? Mm -hmm. No, that's not the point. You choose, and then you realize later on, the only reason I chose is because he, right. he moved inside of me. Right. But the reality is every single person ever who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what Joel says. That's what Peter is saying. So you get to the end, and, and the people are like, oh my goodness, what shall we do? What, what do we do? And he says, repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and all this. As he's talking about this, I, this whole idea, it's in verse 38 of chapter 2, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This baptism, again, this kind of echoes what Jesus says in Matthew 28. It's a baptism into the name. You're baptized in the name of Christ. You're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it's an identification. So what he's saying is, Turn from your way to God's way and identify with his body, with his life. So you're becoming, this is the inaugural uh, ceremony or ritual of the church. You join the church through baptism. Uh, and in whatever other take people might have on how baptism might actually work, that's, that's still 
the, the central aspect of what baptism is. It's an identification with the, the work and the body of Christ. So we become his in that act. The, the salvation, uh, I, I think scripture is pretty clear, uh, uh, the, the salvation comes in the repentance. It's the turning. The act of identifying then is the ceremony that goes along with that. Um, and then we have a description at the end of what happens in the church as they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so we see the church coming together, empowered by the Holy Spirit, founded on Jesus Christ. Everything about the church stands and falls on the person and work of Jesus Christ, driven by the power of the Spirit, so that we're able to tell others to, to, to live in love and to live in hope because of Christ in us and the Spirit's power driving us. So this is a lot to pack into just a little 10-minute cast here. So. It, yeah, it is way too much. I apologize for, oh, no, for going over, so, but there's a, there's a bunch that we're going right. to see here on Sunday, and then we'll come back to some of these concepts at other places throughout the book so that we can dig down a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now we just want to see the overview of this story. Right, and we'll certainly talk more about this uh, next week in the podcast too. So if you have any questions uh, before we get there, feel free to uh, send us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org or on our Facebook page, and we will try to get to that next week. So thanks for listening, everyone.